Welcome to WMNF Tampa here on the skinny here on 88.5 FM broadcasting live from the WMNF studios in Southeast Seminole Heights. My name is Ray Rowe. I'm the co-host of the show. I'm also the editor-in-chief at Creative Loafing Tampa Bay. That's Tampa Bay's nearly 40-year-old alt-weekly joined in studio today by Creative Loafing's digital editor, Colin Wolf. Colin, how are you today? Thanks for having me. Good. Mitch Perry, not here today. Mitch Perry out doing Mitch Perry things, recharging the battery. The political animal does relax sometimes, and he's out doing that. We're glad Ben Montgomery, also not in studio, but joining us via Zoom. Ben is uh, taking two kids to college. Ben, are you there? I am, and I'm reporting uh, I'm reporting live from Davidson, North Carolina, from the home of, of a fellow that uh, a lot of folks in the Tampa Bay area might remember, Michael Who's, who uh, worked for the St. Pete Times and the Tampa Bay Times for quite a few years and now is at Politico covering uh, all things politics. Uh, I'm at his home. He's gracious enough to welcome us in. But yeah, I'm driving my kids to New York and to Boston for the fall semester, so I, I, I'm sorry I couldn't be there today. Glad to join you both. Is Michael Cruz a good cook? No. No, he's <laughs> great reporter, bad cook. Okay, this is his good part, to know. His partner, Lauren, is for sure. Uh, and, and she will confirm uh, for us, not fake news um, there. Apropos that Ben is driving uh, his kids to school, we're here to talk about education. Also joining us today, Reagan Miller from the Florida Freedom to Read Project joins us now via Zoom. Reagan, are you there with us? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thanks for uh, coming again. And, and today we'll encourage our listeners to call in uh, the phone number 813-239-9663. You can text us 813-433-0885 or send an email to dj at wmnf.org. Colin is here today because he recently reported that Hillsborough and Pinellas schools will not be using new PragerU kids material for the upcoming academic year, which just started, you know, fully this week, the first full week. Kids did a half week, I think, last week. Um, a little bit about PragerU for anybody. Uh, founded in 2009 by conservative talk show host Dennis Prager, unaccredited PragerU is not actually a university. And uh, it does not issue agree, uh, degrees. And as our fellow Alt Weekly uh, the Miami New Times recently pointed out uh, the nonprofit PragerU instead focuses on short videos hosted by uh, familiar names for most of our listeners. And I think Ben Shapiro has been on there, Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk. Um, they highlight conservative issues uh, like there's no gender wage gap, uh, the nuclear waste problem is a myth, and blacks in power don't empower blacks. Um, PragerU is also unapologetically um, non-woke. And just to kind of, uh, we'll play a snippet from one of the videos here. Skip, if you want to um, pull that up. This one stars Frederick Douglass speaking to uh, some kids here. Let's listen to a little bit of this. And they knew that it would do terrible harm to the nation. They wanted it to end, but their first priority was getting all 13 colonies to unite as one country. The southern colonies were dependent on slave labor, and they wouldn't have joined a union that had banned it. So Frederick Douglass, in the video, he's speaking to two kids. Are you okay oh, with that? I'm certainly not okay with slavery, but the Founding Fathers made a compromise to achieve something great, the making of the United States. It was America that began the conversation to end it. But Leo is correct that big problems need to be approached very carefully. 
Have you kids heard of William Lloyd Garrison? No. Nope. He's an abolitionist like me. And he and I used to be friends, but we aren't any longer. We don't agree how to solve problems. William refuses all compromises, demands immediate change, and if he doesn't get what he wants, he likes to set things on fire. Sounds familiar. Sounds like you know the type. Yeah, we've got that type in our time. So, you're trying to work for change inside of the American system. Precisely, Layla. Our system is wonderful, and the Constitution is a glorious liberty document. We just need to convince enough Americans to be true to it. All right, so welcome back, listeners. If you just tuned in the last uh, two minutes, WMNF is still here. Um, that was a video uh, from a PragerU lesson depicting Frederick Douglass talking to two modern kids um, about slavery. Uh, Reagan, I want to like open this up to you. Uh, your your group, Florida Freedom to Read, um, formed this year to fight book bans in Florida, and, and this group has uh-huh. said that PragerU is without question a form of uh, indoctrination. Uh, you have you had an opt out of PragerU uh, sheet, and it kind of went viral after the initial uh, news about PragerU. Can you talk about what impact um, uh, that sheet had, the opt out, and what the conversations about PragerU have been like between your organization and parents? I mean, parents are really trying to understand. You know, are their kids seeing it? Because you're hearing, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, that school districts are saying, "Oh, we're not using that." And I think that that's an important thing that we all need to realize is the state has authorized it for use in grades K through six. And these are little YouTube videos, as you just played. And so any teacher, you know, if they have an extra 10 minutes in class, if you have a substitute, they are authorized to use this material. This is not going to go through the regular curriculum process that you would see a school district go through. So really the only way to ensure that your kids don't see this is to send your teacher a note. If, if you don't want them to see it, is to send your teacher and your you know, administrator and say, hey, I don't want my kids exposed to this material. Yeah. Um, so, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I wanted to read that note. Um, it's, it's an opt-out of prayer. This is the short version. It says, dear teacher and principal, let me start by saying thank you for your continued dedication to education. I see you, appreciate you and admire your ability to persevere through these tumultuous times. I'm sending this letter in an effort to, quote, direct the education, end quote, along with the, quote, moral and religious training of my child. Yeah, you put the, the name of the child in. I believe PragerU curriculum, the books, free videos, and et cetera, would violate my rights as a parent, and I would appreciate the opportunity to collaborate on the use of other supplemental materials for my child should PragerU materials be made available in the classroom. Thank you for your understanding and honoring my parental rights. Now, as Colin reported, it's not being used in Pinellas and Hillsborough. Are you aware of uh, PragerU being uh, deployed anywhere else around the state? Have you heard that from parents? Um, I have not heard of a specific example of it being used. I know that there are, I have seen chatter that there are some teachers that are, or educators that are excited about using it. Um, And again, even though they're saying that the districts are not using it, the teachers still have the authority from the state to show that in class. So a teacher in Pinellas, like my, I have two children in Pinellas, could actually show those videos in school. It's not something that has to be approved by the school board. You know, and interesting about the Frederick Douglass video is, is that Frederick Douglass famously said a lot of other things, um, and never mind the weird like accent and, and weird impersonations in the video. But if you go to the National Museum of African American History and Culture, it points out that this is the same Frederick Douglass that once said uh, in his famous Fourth of July address, "This 
This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. And then he continued to kind of uh, interrogate and maybe deconstruct the Declaration of Independence um, in the context of enslaved African Americans experiencing inequality and injustice. And he said, fellow citizens, pardon me, allow me to ask why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Um, Are the great principles of political freedom and natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I, therefore, called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? So by no means was Frederick Douglass, I I think, sympathetic uh, to slavery at all. So it's so interesting to hear that. And I think something, Colin, you you didn't get to touch on in your story um, is, is who is Dennis Prager? Who is who is he, the founder of PragerU? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the important thing to understand about this Prager U Kids thing is that Dennis Prager has been pushing this content stuff since 2009. I mean, his Prager U was kind of a response to uh, like right after Obama got elected. Um, and then all of a sudden there was this push in the conservative movement to kind of retake college campuses. And that's kind of what we've seen lately with TPUSA and all those other th- sort of things. But Dennis Prager was kind of at the beginning of that. And he's a conservative talk show host, as you've already said. Um, but Prager U was kind of formed in that uh, landscape. Uh, and he started it with this other guy named Alan Erston, who is a moderately successful screenwriter and a lot of, not a lot of people know this, but he was a weirdly enough, like the guy who wrote touched by an angel, uh, <laughs> some other show, the practice, uh, Boston public, uh, and Disney's Pocahontas Two: journey to a new world. So he, <laughs> he, him and Dennis Prager got together and started making all this content to get, to get pushed out. And Dennis Prager himself is about as far right as it comes. So, uh, some of the things he said in the past involve, like he said, heterosexual AIDS is an entirely manufactured myth. Uh, that's a direct quote. He's also said that uh, married women should have sex with their husbands, even if they don't want to. Um, he's claimed that women are not, quote, programmed to have careers. Uh, he famously once lamented that it's idiotic, quote, idiotic that he cannot say the N-word in public. Um, so... You know, his content reflects a lot of his views. Uh, and so it's important, I think, when we're talking about PragerU, even in the context of today, uh, that we talk about it for what it is. And it's it's a propaganda institution. You know, it's not leg- a legitimate media outlet. Uh, it's not an educational institution, like you've already said. Um, they're none of those things. Um, and that may sound harsh for me to say, but, you know, that Dennis Prager says that. He agrees that it's... It's uh, a propaganda institution. He straight up said to uh, Moms for Liberty a few years back, and there's a YouTube video of this, uh, quote, it's true, we bring doctrines to children, but what is the bad of our indoctrination? And it's 1117 here on WMNF Tampa. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Creative Loafing Tampa Bay Digital Editor Colin Wolf, who has a story about PragerU and how it's not being used in the Hillsborough and Pinellas systems. Uh, let me... Give the other side here. So the Florida Department of Education recently announced the approval of, quote, uh, supplemental teaching materials uh, from PragerU. So in its announcement, uh, state education officials maintained that this new K-12 curriculum from PragerU kids aligns with what they called 
Florida's revised civics and government standards. So they sent out a press release. Uh, ben knows all about uh, Department of Education press releases from the state of Florida. Um, PragerU celebrated the approval and said it plans to bring the new curriculum to every classroom around the country because thousands of American teachers and school board members have contacted them desperate for wholesome, quality, engaging resources to help educate um, their students. And, you know, just to back up uh, one of Colin's points about Dennis Prager, I think sometimes when we talk about Prager U and Dennis Prager, it kind of comes off hyperbolic, maybe a bit sensationalist. You know, we talked about climate change last week and the argument from the right was that it, it has been sensationalized. But, you know, PragerU in its release said they are sick and tired of curriculum laced with radical political agendas from critical race theory, gender fluidity, um, what they call anti-Americanism. So this is like something um, that they're saying. But it's interesting that they um, claim to have been contacted by uh parents who are desperate for wholesome, quality, engaging resources to educate their students. And I'm curious, um, Reagan, from the Florida Freedom to Read Project, what have the parents that interface with you kind of been calling and feeling desperate about as far as what they want and need from their school systems? I mean, well, they don't. Our parents don't want our kids exposed to indoctrination or ideology on either side, right? And so you can't, like them responding to this saying, oh, we, we want to insert this stuff in here. That That's what parents are concerned about. They don't want, you know, I mean, in the video you played, I think that he talks, Frederick Douglass talks about how America led the charge in abolishing slavery. Um, that That is not true. And we don't, you know, and that, and it's just so interesting. They're They're very upset that we've got this other side screaming at us that we're trying to indoctrinate our children. Meanwhile, they have sought out, you know, a program who comes out and says his whole purpose is to indoctrinate and they're also not presenting factual history. So, you know, people are just very frustrated. They are trying to understand, you know, what districts are saying, what teachers are saying. And, you know, in a state that claims, you know, parental rights reign supreme, where are our parental rights? And parents, we want to hear from you too. If you're a parent in the uh, school system here in Tampa Bay, Feel free to call in 813-239-9663 or send us a text 813-433-0885. Ben, sorry to cut you off there. Oh, no, sorry, Ray. Uh, I wonder, Colin or Reagan, if either of you know whether uh, we're giving any tax dollars to PragerU. Uh, I, I understand not, not Hillsborough and, and Pinellas aren't using it, but um, is the state giving uh, paying PragerU? I'm not aware of that. I know all the content is just on, like it is just YouTube videos that any of us can go access. So I am is not aware a of any money. Of the, uh, of the programming though? I know some of this is free, but uh, is, there a, is there a curriculum that, that school districts can pay for? I have not seen that yet. Yeah, not that I've seen. Um, from, from what I understand from previous reporting, uh, Manny Diaz, the uh, director of education for the state of Florida, uh, met with Dennis Prager and they basically just agreed that they could use the content. And then it just went through a very quick process of being approved. And then next thing we know, uh, it's approved content, supplemental content. Um, so, But in, in terms of uh, your question of funding, um, I haven't seen anything in previous reporting that's suggested that. And, and I will say that when, when Colin reached out to Hillsborough County Public Schools, because 
the press release said that PragerU materials can be used by schools at their discretion. Um, but a spokesperson for Hillsborough County Public Schools told Creative Loafing that uh, PragerU is not part of any part of our curriculum, nor does the district have any plans to purchase it. So, you know, they've said they will not spend money um, on that. And over in Pinellas, the district also said uh, it has no plans of adding these resources to our curriculum and reiterated that although the Department of Education has approved these materials, school districts do retain the option um, to use them or not. And we have a text here. Uh, it says, oh, the hypocrisy. Oh, really, the projection. The right has been lamenting the in indoctrination by, quote, liberal education for decades, which those of us paying attention have known all along was just projection. Now they've gerrymandered and voter suppressed their way into a supermajority in this state. Their true goals are being realized, the in indoctrination of children to become commodities as opposed to individuals or citizens. That's Charles um, in Tampa. Thanks for the text, Charles. And that's something you know to be said, Colin. We were kind of talking about this. What is the conservative reaction um, to, to PragerU? Yeah, so... Before the show, Ray and I were talking about, you know, a lot of these policies that are getting pushed through uh, with DeSantis, especially, um, they aren't quite landing, I think, the way he thinks they're going to land. Uh, so we did a little research this morning and I was kind of poking around in like some far right message boards and such uh, for people talking about PragerU. Um, and one of the one of the top posts on uh, a very conservative subreddit uh, on Reddit, the website Reddit, uh, is about the PragerU lessons being approved, and the top comment on it is, quote, I'll just read it. Why can't classrooms just remain apolitical? It really ruins any sort of credibility when we have, when conservatives clamor for factual lessons to be taught, then approve a political advocacy group to distribute lesson plans to students. Everyone in this sub, meaning this thread, would be beside themselves if the state approved someone like the Young Turks to do the same thing. The Young Turks, you're speaking to a, um, I would go ahead and call him a left, maybe far left oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, YouTube show uh, that promotes some of those things. So, so yeah, I mean, that was interesting. And, you know, I think on the on the funding um, tip, I don't know if you could get into this, Colin, but, but you know, PragerU is not just PragerU kids, right? It's this huge thing. I think we ran a picture of Dennis Prager at like a huge conservative uh, uh, gathering in Arizona. Where does PragerU get um, its funding? Because PragerU is a nonprofit, right? Right. So a lot of, just like this radio station, a lot of their funding comes from donations um, and donors. Uh, they do it like they're doing a fund a, fund a fundraiser right now as we speak. Um, but you know, the initial funding which launched PragerU was by a pair of fracking billionaires um, named Dennis. Or, I'm sorry, Dan and Ferris Wilkes. And the Wilkes brothers, uh, th this is something they do across the media landscape. So they also funded uh, the Daily Wire, which hosts shows for Ben Shapiro uh, and Candace Owens. Um, so th this is kind of what they do. And, you know, it's unsurprising. It shouldn't be surprising to any anybody who watches any of these uh, PragerU kids videos. Um, there's a lot of climate denialist talking points in there, obviously, because, I mean, when you have fracking billionaires funding your site, you want to make it sound like, you know, climate change isn't that big of a deal. And there's literally a cartoon of uh, two kids asking about climate change, and the adult in the cartoon is like, well, you don't have to worry about that. It's not that big of a deal. So uh, <laughs> it's there, you know what I mean? And, it's a classic, right? <laughs> like, there's, there, you remember the Saturday Night Live sketch with uh, Clucky the Chicken? It was a fried chicken commercial, and he was 
Plucky was the narrator for the whole thing. That's what this reminds me of. <laughs> yeah. I know. When Colin says uh, the adult in the cartoon, I kind of thought, man, I'm in the wrong like role. I've always kind of aspired to be the adult in a cartoon, you know, and, and maybe that's why um, um, I'm here. You know, Colin brought up something about these policy points, Reagan. And, you know, since we last talked, I think the last time we talked, Reagan, it was we were pretty heavy in, into the book ban um, thing. It was kind of similar to like COVID in the beginning when nobody knew what was going on. And, and we were really were you were your group was trying to kind of rally everybody and organize and things like that. But since then, I, I don't know if I want this is the right word, but things have kind of cooled off and the country's kind of caught up to DeSantis and his campaign has kind of started to sputter. Um, and people are kind of realizing that these aren't the kinds of issues that they uh, want a, a you know presidential candidate to to run on. Has your strategy changed over there at, at the Florida Freedom to Read Project in the context of DeSantis's kind of uh, fizzle? Well, I mean, he might be fizzling. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to approach it that way, but I will tell you, I mean, when you think about it with what happened over the summer, there's been so much more than just PragerU and book bans. I mean, we've got African-American history standards. We have the AP psychology debacle. Um, Like they have continued to go and go, you know, they've come out and said, oh, wait, you know, the um, HB7, HB1557, which um, parental rights and education and the Stop Woke Act. You know, oh, those don't apply to classroom libraries, which we have been waiting. But now we have this new bill, HB 1069. And what we saw in Pinellas two weeks ago, I guess two weeks ago now, a week and a half, is that they're ramping up again and reading excerpts from books because they know 1069 gives them more, you know, room to move books. And then they've also developed this special magistrate where if a parent, only the person who files the complaint against the book, if they don't like the outcome, i.e. if the book is retained at the, you know, at a school library, only that person can then file an appeal to the special magistrate. And, you know, likely they're going to have a more conservative outcome if they appeal it to the state. So I haven't seen them let off the brakes. I feel like they're, you know, they're still going with all this stuff. And so our approach has just been to keep letting people know, you know, what's going on. Yeah, your website is um, very active. One of the ones that jumped out at me, the headline, Arthur, the aardvark is too extreme for your student. Uh, It's a story about (laughs) one man in in, uh, Clay County who, um, he's actually been combing the libraries. He is on a mission to create, I think he called it the ideal library, but he's got a problem with an Arthur, uh, the aardvark book where Arthur's having a birthday party and they're playing a card game. And and, um, I couldn't really get the context of the card game. Could you explain what the card game was? I honestly can't remember. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> I know who the man is that you're talking about. I feel like he, he's filed hundreds of book challenges on his own, and, you know, he, he is on a mission. You are correct. So I can't keep up with all of his challenges, but I know that's been a big one. Um, and we got another text here. Uh, it says, it just feels like this PragerU stuff is div- is a device to further school vouchers and a separation from public to private and taxpayers still paying for the whole thing. That's uh, Jerome. Jerome, thank you for the text. And if you're just joining us, it's 1130 here on WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. We're talking about PragerU, a controversial uh, educational video series uh, produced by PragerU. PragerU Kids is what we're talking about. Um, The state has approved it uh, to be used in districts across the state. Hillsborough and Pinellas have said they will not be using it. Uh, We have Colin Wolf here with us. Ben Montgomery is here joining us and Reagan Miller from the uh, Florida Freedom to Read Project. If you'd like to chime in, 813- 
239-9663. Send an email to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Ben, I'm curious, you're driving your kids to college. I know your kids have benefited from uh, AP courses um, in high school. What's their uh, reaction been to some of this? And, and, you know, what do they think about some of their classmates who are still in, in high school right now and having to face uh, some of the attacks on AP courses? Yeah, you know, they both went through uh, Hillsborough High's uh, IB program, International Baccalaureate. Um, and uh, goodness, the, um, you know, the history sessions uh, in, in that, that program, I think, were, um, were pretty intense, uh, pretty wide-ranging, sweeping. Um, you know, it's more... Uh, sense of, uh, of the civil rights struggle in, in the U.S. and elsewhere, um, you, you know, a good sense of uh, of how this country came to be and its challenges in the past and so forth. Um, but, you know, part of that is classroom learning and part of that is what they get outside of the classroom, right? And this is what I wonder, it's what I think about in this, in this whole debate. Uh, who are the kids who are most impacted by these attempts at indoctrination that are sort of, some of them sort of working? that are sticking like are these that are these that um are, are the children most at risk of of uh, uh, uh losing out on the opportunity of a wide-ranging diverse liberal education uh open-minded education are they the kids whose parents um sort of prefer that are they the kids who uh whose parents want their uh learning limited in that way um, I don't know the answer to that. I, I know that's something that we're talking about on, on this road trip. Uh, and I know, honestly, that I'm glad that my guys, just as all of this is happening, glad that my guys are, uh, frankly, are, are, are finished in Florida and are headed, headed elsewhere to, you know, to continue their studies. Um, uh, Ray, you've got a young, you've got a young man uh, uh, in public schools. Is this something that you're worried about? Yeah, I mean... Thankfully, he's pretty young, so I don't have to think about it. Um, I don't know what the public school system will look like by the time he gets there. Um, you know, hopefully he'll have some good schools to go to. It's definitely something we think about. I don't think it's something we've breached um, in in our home. Um, so, you know, we'll get there. I'm certainly concerned about it. I'm of the mind that I'm just going to kind of kind of wait and see, you know, what happens. Um, I don't know if that's the right parenting approach. I know Colin had some kids um, in school, and I think that was like one of the motivations for him uh, wanting to write a story. But we actually have a call here, uh, and uh, this is from Drew. Uh, Drew wants to chime in. Drew, you're on the air here on WMNF Tampa. Uh, hold on one second. Drew, are you there? Maybe we'll get Drew uh, here. Um, I wonder if, uh, meanwhile, if Reagan and Colin might, might might have thoughts about this. What is this in response to the the, 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 the sort of attack on um, on a liberal education uh, uh, from all angles? What is? Do you feel like this is in response to something in the past ten or fifteen years? This sort of a bigger social kind of shift, uh, something that we haven't been really thinking about. This is all, for instance, a response, like in my mind, I'm thinking like this is a, a delayed response to uh, to gay marriage. 
Right. No, I think um, you kind of touched on it. And I think with, with your kids leaving the state uh, to go to school, and I think also the previous uh, text we got mentioning the vouchers also kind of touches mm-hmm. on it. I mean, this is all theory at this point, but, you know, I do think uh, that the overarching goal of this uh, is kind of three-pronged. I think the main one is to um, pave the way for this type of content in other states, and we're already seeing that happen because why not? If Florida's doing it, why not here in uh, Illinois or Michigan, Ohio? Um, I think that's that's part of it. I think the other one um, is to just chip away at the legitimacy of public education and then just slowly, you know, drain it by death of a thousand cuts. You know what I mean? We already saw, I think the Orlando Sentinel reported this week that the new voucher program that just passed um, is up 44% than, than, than previous year. Like, it, and no one projected that. I mean, that was a huge spike. So, I mean, we're seeing people flee public schools, which ultimately defunds them. So I think that's always been a major goal for the conservative movement. And I think this just kind of pushes it a little bit more in that direction. Let's see if we can get Drew here. Drew, you're on the air here on WMNF. Hi, good morning. I am, um, good afternoon. I just, um, I was homeschooled and, um, because my parents, you know, 40 years ago felt that the schooling or educational system in this country was, um, not going to, uh, tell the, you know, give the whole truth and nothing but the truth and get, or, give, um, I don't know, what they thought the, uh, you know, the world that they wanted me to have, let's just say. And I can't help but think about that as I hear, you know, this whole debacle unfolding in Florida because I am sure that many parents are, you know, feeling those same feelings that my parents had, you know, in, you know, 40 years ago. And, um, and that really concerns me because, um, I think that there's a right place for homeschooling and, um, self-educating, you know, children and, you know, travel, military, keeping, you know, just, there's a lot of reasons, um, disabilities, but, um, and ever, and education starts in the home for every family, but, um, this, um, you know, like you were saying, you know, we are this push to, um, defund public education and weaken our public institutions in this country is, actively making this country into a banana republic because I think that most Americans haven't ever lived in other uh, countries. Most of them probably haven't traveled to other countries or when I say live there, I mean set up residence and pay bills, know how to pay a water bill, you know? And um, then you get the feeling of infrastructure. What, you know, what is, how easy is it to take your kids to school in this country or versus another country versus going and renewing your passport or doing, you know, all the um, civil service. 
And that is something that we have really good in this country. Our, um, our civil services work pretty well most of the time. And, um, Thanks. you know, by, by attacking our, um, our civil service like education, we, um, are, we are, we're turning into banana public very fast. And that, you know, hacking, most Americans will be blindsided by this because they don't have a comparison. You know? Thank you, Drew. Uh, Th- thanks for the thanks for the call here. We have some more calls uh, coming in here. Uh, Nancy from Sarasota wants to talk. Uh, Nancy, you're here on the air on WMNF Tampa. Hello. Thank you so much for the opportunity for the conversation. I appreciate you all very much, what you do. Um, I want to mention a book called The Prize. It's by Russikoff, and um, she was a New York Times journalist. Uh, I believe it's 2012 that she published this book. The prize refers to the $1 billion annual budget that uh, Newark School District, Newark, New Jersey, um, had, you know, who wanted to spend the $1 billion. Uh, Chris Christie was governor at the time, um, now probably candidate for president again. Former candidate for president, Cory Booker, was, he's now senator, and he was... um, mayor at the time, um, Oprah Winfrey brought them all on their show so that Mark Zuckerberg uh, could donate $100 million to that school district pending uh, another matching gift. So they had $200 million to show, and that's what this book refers to. Um, I, I bring it up because you mentioned the legitimacy of American education, and I think that's where we're failing because we are not legitimately teaching children to read and write no matter how much we spend and your your curriculum topics and what's right and wrong and and left and right um reading and writing and arithmetic and Um, what is the um basis for the uh poor reading and writing are there some test scores or or things like that that you would point to to prove that yes yes and that's you know that's kind of the problem is the money goes to more testing. The money goes to the tune of billions of dollars to test makers, um, curriculum uh, experts, and curriculum printing, and um, there's no amount of money that can fix. There is something in education where people sit down and say, here's an issue that we have. It's called the school-to-prison pipeline. Uh. And I say it chokes me up because I think to myself, if there's a problem with my institution called the school the prison pipeline. Yeah, I think those are, you know, two separate things. Pull that plug. And well, you mentioned the legitimacy of public education and and there is something called the school to prison pipeline. One third of the children are proficient according to those tests and, and on your wonderful program that I appreciate your your many voices, um, you had a school board member a few years ago from, I think it was Pasco County, saying that children are succeeding in Florida schools despite education. <laughs> it's not, they're you know, what they learn at home, and if they're reading at home, then they can pass those tests and succeed. But uh, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. I want to listen to your show. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Reagan, do you have anything to, to say to that about this, this argument that, that, you know, the test scores are low or or they're not teaching kids and, and the focus is on, on the wrong thing here when you hear something like that. 
I mean, I think it's interesting. I, you know, she's she's correct that you know I would love to see a hundred percent of our kids reading proficiently. We're nowhere near that number, and it depends who you listen to, what number you get. You know, because the state will say, "Oh, we're the top," and the you know our, our governor and Department of Education will say Florida is tops, and then you look at it and you're like, "Oh, well, like fifty-two percent of our third graders are reading at a third grade level," and so I I do agree with her that's a problem, but I also you know, and, and money is going to, too much money is going to, um, to test makers and, you know, to all that. So I, I agree with that, but I don't think that the answer is just, okay, well now we're spending too much money here. So we should just stop at, you know, like we should stop that funding. Like we still need to educate these kids and we need to, you know, we need to really figure like we shouldn't be removing kids access to books. That is not going to promote literacy. <laughs> like, so it's a weird I, I, and I, I wish that the people who are all in the middle, because I understand that we have extremes on either side, and I think most of us, and I would venture to say it's probably 80%, if we could all put our heads together, we could educate these kids, you know, and and find paths forward for them and find creative ways. And I think if the state would cut some of the, you know, the red tape and laws with the with the public schools that they would be they would be allowed to be more innovative and find more ways to work with kids and reach them i i, I know in pinellas you know they've implemented a couple different programs you know i think there was a gender gap in in certain areas of the county that they were working on and so i know when we allow educators and administrators and leaders to be creative things happen and and i wish the state would allow that because it's definitely and this goes into the to the vouchers our charter schools, our private schools, you know, these voucher schools are allowed to be creative and find ways. We, we need to give that to our districts as well. And if you're just joining us, that's the voice of Reagan Miller from the Florida Freedom to Read Project. We're discussing PragerU, a series of kids' educational videos that has been approved by the state of Florida to be taught in districts. Hillsborough and Pinellas schools have opted um, not to uh, pick up the um, unabashedly non-woke um, curriculum. We're getting a lot of texts here. Uh, we have one here from Tommy. Um, All the right does is rail about the indoctrination of our children by the left. Sunday schools and religious schools are the real ones indoctrinating children. They are trying to circumvent the separation of church and state. They just want an autocratic theocracy and they don't hide it. DeSantis is a fascist and my grandparents fought against the fascists. So call me third generation Antifa. Uh, thanks, Nicole. You know, it's funny that that, that listener just said that because, I mean, a PragerU Kids uh, started out as a homeschool supplement and like it was primarily only used by homeschooling parents uh, and like, you know, religious schools. Um, so there is a direct connection to that. And now that it's being mainlined into public schools, like you either just suggest, or your listeners just suggested, we're kind of mainlining that for sure. And Ben, sorry, I think we cut you off there. Um, <clears throat> no, I was just going to say that um, this uh, uh, makes me want to follow the money. And, uh, it's, <laughs> you know, especially in light of the fact that, uh, that uh, as Colin reported, that this came after you know, basically Prager and Manny Diaz sat down together. Like, that's not how curriculum gets approved, right? That's right. not how the system should work. Um, 
And you know something that's interesting? Um, because when I asked Reagan, hey, does DeSantis, stubble, DeSantis stumbling in, in, in the race change the way you approach stuff? And, and Reagan said, no, I mean, we're still fighting this fight and, and things like that. And I think something that gets lost in, you know, the headlines and things like that is that this probably won't be the end of PragerU um, in, in the Bay Area. So in the fall, the Hillsborough uh, GOP will have um, a Reagan Day uh, denim and diamonds barbecue. Reagan Miller, I'm sorry, that is not uh, in your honor. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, the special guest will be Senator Rick Scott and DeSantis's appointed state attorney for the 13th district, Susie Lopez, uh, and then Will Witt, uh, which is kind of notable to see, uh, in this case, an appointed official who does want to run in an election uh, next to Will Witt, uh, because uh, Will Witt does have a PragerU um, connection. I don't know if Colin, yeah. you could speak to that. No, so Will Witt, yeah, as you just mentioned, Will Witt's hosting the Hillsborough County GOP barbecue uh, with Senator Rick Scott and Susan Lopez. Uh, and he's a former Prager pundit, you know what I mean? And now he runs kind of a uh, a website called the Florida Standard, which is essentially a pro-DeSantis propaganda mill. Um, if you go on their homepage right now, it's all the headlines about how great DeSantis is. Uh, and Will Witt is a anti-LGBT white nationalist by, I mean, no other description. I mean, he's pushed great replacement theory. He's uh, retweeted and talked about White Lives Matter talking points. Um, so to have your uh, elected officials hanging out with this guy, again, this is to, to your point, this is uh, how PragerU is just kind of part of the fabric of Florida politics. Uh, we have, um, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if people remember, but uh, Congresswoman Anna Polina Luna out of Pinellas County, I mean, she is, was uh, a former uh, chairwoman of Hispanic initiatives at PragerU. Um, so Prager is everywhere uh, when it comes to the conservative landscape. And that's not going away. Uh, so thank you, Reagan Miller from the Florida Freedom to Read Project uh, for joining us. Let, let our listeners know where they can connect with you and maybe bring some concerns and, and learn some stuff. Yeah, for sure. Our website is um, fftrp.org. That's Florida Freedom to Read Project. So fftrp.org. Um, and we post regularly on Twitter and, thre um, and threads and Instagram. Um, so please, you know, you can DM us, you can reach out via um, our website and message us if, you know, if you have questions or want more information, um, we're happy to share um, whatever we have with you. Thank you so much. And and we're glad to get this part in here because, uh, Ben, you, you brought something up interesting when we were planning this show, something that you really wanted to talk about, which is just broke yesterday, if you want to bring that up here. Yeah, yeah, well, it turns out this is related because uh, uh, the folks who are funding uh, the Ron DeSantis campaign and have sort of taken over the Ron DeSantis campaign in certain ways uh, are now really worried about a Republican sort of presidential candidate, newcomer, um, uh, especially as the first Republican debate in Wisconsin is right around the corner. This is, of course... Uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who is um, uh, a biotech uh, millionaire and a political novice. Uh, he is uh, sort of a Fox News darling who has really uh, seen his um, his approval rating going going up in the past few weeks. Uh, the New York Times and other outlets are reporting today that a firm associated with the super PAC, like I mentioned, that has effectively taken over DeSantis's presidential campaign has posted online hundreds of pages of basically blunt advice 
um, that includes also like research memos and internal polling uh, in early nominating states. The, uh, the information amounts to guidance for DeSantis. Because these PACs, these PACs, they can't talk directly to the candidate. They can't talk in private with the candidate. Sometimes let this stuff be known publicly, but rarely, uh, rarely do they ever sort of show this many cards all at the same time. What this PAC has done uh, has been has been just to lay all the cards on the table um, and provide guidance for DeSantis, who is struggling on the polls. Uh, in the polls on the eve of this uh, debate. The documents, which have since been removed from, they were posted online, they've been taken down. They provide an extraordinary glimpse into the thinking of the DeSantis operation um, uh, about a debate that his advisors see as crucial. Uh, here's basically the, the summarizing memo uh, lays out this strategy that I think is really fascinating. Number one is four points, by the way, four must-dos uh, for DeSantis during this debate. Here they are. Number one, seems very obvious to me, attack Joe Biden and the media three to five times. So that should be his primary target, Joe Biden and the media. Uh, number two, state uh, Governor Ron DeSantis's positive vision two or three times. That also seems natural. Tell the people what you're going to do for them. We know that Florida is the blueprint for that. Um, so show them that. And then here's where it gets interesting to me. Number three, uh, this PAC is recommending that DeSantis hammer uh, Vivek Ramaswamy in a response. And, and they dwell on this a little bit. They say hammer him like a sledgehammer, make fun of him like Donald Trump does. Uh, so this shows to, to, to uh, political uh, analysts that this campaign is very worried about this newcomer who's, again, whose polls are rising. He's now, uh, uh, it looks like, uh, third or third in the polls next to Trump and DeSantis. DeSantis pulling 16 points, Ramaswamy uh, pulling 11 uh, percentage points. Uh, we'll see how that changes in the weeks ahead. But um, And Ramaswamy uh, was the ire of our guest last week, uh, Jake Hoffman, executive director of the Tampa Bay Young Republicans. He certainly has a problem with uh, Ramaswamy. Um, so it's interesting. He called him a grifter. He did. He did. He did. He called him a grifter. You know, Colin also um, noticed, and, and Ben, I want you to keep your train of thought here, but, but Colin noticed there was another attacking point that was pretty disturbing um, about the approach to uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. And they asked, you know, the memo, I, I don't know if you have the exact language pulled up, Colin. Uh, they, there was follow-up reporting by the New York Times after that story was dropped last night, and it, it suggested that in that memo that DeSantis point out and that Ram, Ramaswamy's faith, so as sort of a dog whistle, because he's Hindu, as sort of a dog whistle that you know he's an immigrant and he's different, et cetera, et cetera, um, which is something DeSantis has the dog whistle attack is something he's done before, so. And what is Ramaswamy's faith? Do we do we know? Uh, uh, he's his parents were Indian uh, immigrants. And I believe he's uh, Hindu. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. And, and number four, and, the, and number four of the must dos that Ron DeSantis must do in this debate uh, is defend Donald Trump in absentia in response to a Chris Christie attack. So this pack is expecting Christie to attack Trump, which he's been doing. Uh, and, uh, and they think that DeSantis' play here is to defend Trump, who said he's not going to take part in this debate. 
um, in response to a Chris Christie attack. What do you guys think of that? Is that well, a winning uh, kind of strategy? Ben, let me throw it back to you. Let me, because uh, I'm curious, because Ray and I would talk about this all the time in, at the Creative Loafing Office, and I'm curious to hear somebody else's point of view. But if you're DeSantis at this point, and the this memo just got leaked, uh, that was pop- more than likely your game plan, let's say. Uh, what do you do as DeSantis? What do you think DeSantis should do if you could put your mind in the shoes? Put, you know, be a DeSantis PR guy for a second. What do you think he should do? Well, you certainly don't stick to to this blueprint. <laughs> I don't think you know, uh, because what this does is shows everybody that 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 you know that that the guy who's who's bankrolling you is also doing your bidding and is your puppet master. So if you even look like you're following this strategy, I think you just get hammered left and right. I don't know what the I don't know what the um, I don't know what the approach is. I think uh, you know at this stage in the game, maybe he's banking on uh, what that memo also uh, talks about: the Roger Ailes orchestra pit theory. <laughs> you guys familiar with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, it's basically fall into the pit. I'm not. I am not familiar. I have not read this. Trip and fall. It's better to trip and fall. And is that the the strategy? Basically, yeah. The 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 well known political maxim is that a candidate who lays out a you know a comprehensive plan on foreign policy or healthcare or something, he's going to draw less coverage than the one who accidentally falls off the stage into the orchestra (laughs) pit. So so the attention getters are uh, the guys who fall off stage. And maybe that's what you do here. Maybe DeSantis banks on doing something so big that he takes the uh, attention off uh, off this leaked memo and you know and throws it somewhere else. All right. So, listeners, uh, if if you're just getting here, we're talking about the DeSantis uh, Super PAC Never Back Down, which just. I don't know, accidentally on purpose leaked uh, campaign strategy. Uh, we have some calls coming in here, so we're going to try to get you on here um, in the last uh, five minutes of the show. We've had some feedback on the PragerU things, um, some claims out of uh, IB classes. I'm not going to repeat that claim. Um, I'm sorry, just because we can't verify uh, what what you were saying here. And then somebody uh, talking about... Uh, Support for homeschool and never mind the indoctrination. What's right has what the right has been projecting about all along. Uh, they say that at least in my experience, my parents didn't think they knew the truth. They just thought the school didn't and made me travel everywhere with them to make my own mind up, which certainly isn't what most parents are going to do or to be able to do um, if they wanted. And this person also noted that it was hard for them uh, to get a job after. Um, being homeschooled, which is, you know, debatable also. I mean, many successful kids have been uh, homeschooled. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, to, to, to follow up on that, I mean, my mom is a retired educator. She was uh, a teacher, gifted and talented, fifth grade teacher, kindergarten teacher, uh, special education, a principal. Um, she's now a school board member in another state. Um, and, you know, and I asked her this recently about homeschooling, um, and she said something that I thought was pretty everyone's experience with homeschool is different. But one thing my, my mother said is that every, just about every student that comes in who was doing, being homeschooled and then wants to go back into the system was usually uh, a full year behind. Wow. Um, so, I mean, and not, again, everyone's experience is different, but I don't think a lot of parents are fully understand the, uh, gravi- the gravitas of taking on your kid's education. That's why people... Um, go to school, college to be educators. It's a serious profession that takes a lot of uh, work and skill. So and, and and money. And we're gonna try to sneak a call from Ryan in here. Ryan, you're on there at WMNF. Ryan, you there? I missed a lot of what was 
talked about just uh, before you took this call, but I just wanted to say that overall PragerU is a, uh, you know, a, a way to re-inject the prejudice, the, the prejudice of the past uh, uh, as our society has grappled with white supremacy and, uh, you know, sort of indoctrinate children away from uh, the actual history of this country and back towards a white supremacist worldview. That's all I had to say. Thank you. All right. Thank, thanks for the call, um, Ryan. You know, you know, in the wake of that, and since you brought up other school systems in other states, um, Colin, could you maybe talk about, you know, what this does on a national scale? I mean, Florida kind of opens the door for PragerU, but are other states like trying to pick it up now? Well, yeah, I mean, so as we previously talked about, you know, the, I think that's part of the goal is to eventually get in as many schools as possible. And I mean, that's a you know, that's a, that's great for their bank account, right? Eventually. Um, uh, you know, one thing that I was saying, my mom was a retired educator and now a school board member was saying just last week was she's, she's like, do you, have you heard about this PragerU stuff? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, cause I had a, another school board member ask about it. And, and she, they said that some parents have asked about it and, you know, and this is in the Midwest. So people are, this is the benefit of Florida bringing on PragerU kids is now this people are having these conversations and now it's trickling its way into uh, being normalized in other states. And that was the voice of Colin Wolf, digital editor at Creative Loafing Tampa Bay. He had a story about Hillsborough and Pinellas schools not picking up PragerU um, kids despite the state more or less sanctioning it. Um, you've been listening it's- to... oh. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Ray, is, is DeSantis vulnerable on the book ban attack? Like, could other conservatives say, look what he's doing in Florida? I mean, I think they could be shown how it backfires. And I think, you know, Jake made a good point. I think there were a lot of things we had disagreed with Jake on, on last week. But there is a lot of distaste for some of the De- DeSantis campaign strategy, even from within his own camp of supporters. So well, that's what that's what I'll be watching this next in this first uh, GOP debate. You know, and, you know, and I'd like to hear Reagan's point of view on this too because you know moms for liberty was a uh significant push in the in the book banning conversation and you know the washington post had a great story a couple summers ago about uh with christian ziegler who's the florida gop chairman and his uh wife chris uh his wife bridget ziegler who's the uh, founder of moms for liberty um they did a, a profile on that couple and in that story there's a pretty significant line in there that i don't think it gets mentioned enough where Ziegler says Moms for Liberty is a, the foot soldiers for DeSantis's, uh, um, for his, uh, uh, what he's trying to get across, his culture wars. Right, his So, yeah, so, you know, Moms for Liberty has been carrying that water for DeSantis for the last couple of years here. And, you know, book banning has been a big part of that. So um, we'll see if that if that uh, affects his polls. So far, it looks like it is backfiring a little bit. Yeah, and sorry we couldn't get to all the calls. We have more calls coming in here. On behalf of myself, Ray Roa, Ben Montgomery joining us remotely, Colin Wolf here, Skip Sassy, our board operator, Irene on the phones. You've been listening to The Skinny here on WMNF Tampa. Please stay tuned. Up next, Art in Your Ear with Joellen Schilke, who was blowing me the best kisses from Studio One, one of the greatest art shows um, in, in Tampa Bay, the hostess with the most. This is coming up next. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.